Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Today we have another account of Easter Day. But unlike last week, it's not all Alleluia's. It's not Easter joy so much, but Easter fear instead. The disciples had experienced the bitter pain and the sorrow of their master taken away from them. He had been shamefully treated. Jesus was crucified and they put him to death. And so the disciples retreat to the upper room. They shut the doors and they lock the bolts and their hearts are filled with fear. That was the scene on the very first Easter day. It's evening, so by this time the disciples had already heard the report of the women at the empty tomb. They'd heard about the angel too, and what he had said. They had heard also from Mary Magdalene about her encounter with the risen Christ. And the disciples, they had every reason to rejoice at this report that Jesus was alive. After all, Jesus had told the disciples repeatedly that he would be arrested and put to death, and on the third day, rise. Surely they should have rejoiced at this news from the women. But this is what we hear from Mark, chapter 16, verse 11. But when the disciples heard that he was alive and had been seen by Mary Magdalene, they would not believe it. And this, from Luke chapter 24, verse 11, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles about the resurrection. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe it. So there they are, all of the disciples, holed up in the upper room, fearful, scared for their lives. St. John, he records that they are scared of the Jews, fearful for their own hides, and being identified as followers of Jesus, and perhaps being put to death too. But then also think about this. What if those women were right? What if the women were right about Jesus being alive? What would that then mean for the disciples? They had betrayed, denied, and scattered at his arrest. Jesus had said things like, Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes again in his glory. So think about it. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. If Jesus was alive, how would he treat them? What would he say to them when he sees them? Would he not condemn them for their faithlessness and reduce them to ashes for their unbelief and fiery judgment? Well, it's right here at their very weakest moment at their most fearful and pathetic, 
that we see those locked doors and bolted hearts are no barrier for the love of God. And suddenly, the risen Christ stands among them, and not breathing threats of judgment, not angry, not speaking a word of condemnation, but speaking peace. To the disciples' amazement, Jesus greets them so cheerfully and in such a friendly way, showing them the wounds that procured their salvation. Peace be with you, says Jesus. Peace be with you. Those are words of victory. Those are words of the angels to the shepherds at Jesus' birth. Those are words of blood-bought forgiveness. Words that restore and refresh and raise the dead. Jesus forgives the sins of his faithless disciples. He restores them. He brings perfect peace to their hearts. And then gives them his Holy Spirit and the church the wonderful gift of the office of the keys. That is called ministers and pastors forgive the sins of all who repent. Well, for whatever reason, Thomas was the only remaining disciple who didn't happen to be at church that day. When his brother disciples told him, Perhaps he wanted to go back to his old life before Jesus ever entered into the equation at all. And Thomas stubbornly responded, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, to be clear, this isn't something I would advise if Thomas were my parishioner struggling with faith. You just don't put the Lord God to the test, do you? You don't do quid pro quos with God. And yet, for Thomas's sake, and for the sake of every skeptic out there, that's you and me, by the way, our Lord, he did just that. And eight days later, on the next Sunday... When the disciples were gathered all together, and this time Thomas with them, the risen Christ passed through bolted doors once again and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. And Jesus showed Thomas his pierced hands, and he invited Thomas to reach out and touch those atoning wounds. And at that invitation, Thomas's doubts, they all melted away. And Thomas makes the most beautiful confession in all Holy Scripture, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Dear friends, there's encouragement for all of us in our readings today. The disciples' weaknesses of faith are on full display. But it's all to the glory of God, and it's all for our special comfort. We'd like to be strong and fearless and courageous in our faith. But we're not. God reminds us in our first reading 
today that we are more like dead men in a valley of dry bones. That's what Ezekiel saw. Sin and unbelief cling to us. Death dogs are every step. Our consciences harass us. And we know we are not the model disciples that God calls us to be. Even this past year, we've seen that fear, fear can make us do strange things. Like accepting food from a stranger through a drive through window and avoiding the hands of ministers reaching out with the death-destroying, life-giving sacrament. And yet, when we are at our very worst, self-isolating, fearful, and frustrated, their God is at his very best, friendly and cheerful to us, inviting. Jesus is faithful when we are faithless. He is compassionate when we ourselves are void of mercy. We are all Thomas. We too doubt. We too have put God to the test, and we've tried to bargain with him. And that's why today this gospel should comfort and cheer our hearts. Because we see today that the Lord is kind and forgiving in spite of ourselves in spite of our doubt. And he comes to us in such a kind and friendly way. At our weakest and most sin-filled moments, there is Christ, so tender and kind, among us in his resurrected flesh, inviting us to come to him for life in this dying world, speaking to us words of spirit and life, Words of holy absolution that raise up our dry, dead bones and give us new and everlasting life. Christ Jesus continues to send out his ministers to preach the gospel to all. And the Holy Spirit that we receive strengthens us in the faith against the doubts and unbelief of our hearts. And we gather in church each week to have that unbelief driven out of us through the Holy Spirit's preaching of the Holy Gospel, in which we learn again and again that God is friendly toward us, kind and forgiving, not holding our sins against us. As God once breathed life into Adam, so he now breathes life into our mortal bodies through the blessed word of the forgiveness of sins. And today Christ presents to you his healing wounds in the sacraments of water and of blood. And he invites you, just like Thomas, to touch his side at the table and to reach out and to receive his risen body and blood in true faith so that believing you may have life in his name, and confess that the one who is dead is alive and among us, and that the crucified one who lives and reigns is your Lord and your God too. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.